Good evening, Patriots. And it's Monday, March 27th at the end of the day here on the Pacific Coast. And on the East Coast, you're now into the morning. So good morning to you, which is pretty cool. Patriots, a lot to reflect on as we consider their station where we are in life. I've been doing a lot of that today. A lot of humbling moments that come our way. Humility is one of those things of truly God's grace as we start to embrace it and understand it, but equally understanding that through humility, he is so much part of us and so much more part of us. One of the things we are facing right now is leadership in this world that is anything but humble. And it's that war against us to try to provoke us into reactions that are anything but humble. So we're going to get into a little bit of all of that tonight. One thing is for sure is that food is an issue and they're trying to stretch us and pull us in ways to provoke violence and hopefully catch people off guard so they're not prepared for a coming shortage or famine. And that's one thing we have to be prepared for at all times. Patriots, anyone who thinks they won't need emergency food isn't paying attention. Every day, the headlines get worse and worse. Is the unthinkable next? It pays to prepare. That's why I seriously recommend you stock up on emergency food right now. You never know when the next shoe will drop, and when it does, emergency food will be hard to find. So get yours now while it's on sale. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and check out their popular three-month emergency food kit. Right now, you'll save $200 per kit. Each kit gives you a wide variety of delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks, providing over 2,000 calories a day for optimum strength and energy. Act now and claim your $200 savings per kit. You'll sleep better knowing your family won't suffer if the worst ever happens. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and you'll enjoy free shipping too. MyPatriotSupply.com. Patriots, no time to waste. Sovereignty begins with food security. Check it out. MyPatriotSupply.com. One of the things we talked about near the end of the show last hour is the importance of fellowship and community. And it's not a new topic, but it is one that in Bard's Nation, we have a very unique relationship because so many people have created relationships online. And with that has come a measure of trust. And those have been then has been transformed into real life relationships on the ground. The one thing that I've witnessed in this community that has come here for the variety of reasons people do arrive is that as they come, there's been a spark and a reigniting of the love in Christ and the love that we have for our, for our fellow man and woman, our love for our neighbor. And I will say that in the coming months, and regardless of what comes as far as this ridiculous circus that we're part of, our actions and the patterning that we're creating and modeling is transformational for communities as a whole. And it's something that's biblical. I want to begin with a piece tonight on the Federal Reserve, and I just put things in context with the type of enemy that we're facing. Uh, creature from Jekyll Island, what is the Federal Reserve and what is your answer? Well, what it is, it's a cartel. It, it's not a government agency. It has the appearance of being a government agency, and they went to great lengths to give it that, that facade. It does have the power of government because Congress voted to give the power of, of enforcement to it. But in its essence, underneath it, it's a cartel. It's nothing different than a banana cartel or an oil cartel or sugar cartel. It happens to be a banking cartel. They got together, they drew up the rules and regulations for their own industry to self-regulate their own industry is what cartels do. And then they sent it to Congress and they took off the, the label at the top that said banking cartel and they erased that. And they said Federal Reserve Act. Congress passed it into law, and that's why we think it's a government agency, is because if you don't obey the rules that they set down for their own industry, you go to prison. And so it looks like a government agency. And what should be done, in your view, with the Fed? 
the Fed needs to be abolished. There's no other way around it. Uh, you cannot take the power to create money out of nothing and give it to men and expect that power not to corrupt those men. I don't care whether they're the bankers or politicians. You give that power to anybody, eventually they will be corrupted by it. It's not politically possible now because the average person doesn't understand it. And that's a true statement. Is people don't understand the magnitude of this corruption, and it's deep. It's a corruption that has fed on us for decades, if not longer. And we're probably talking centuries. And it's a corruption that has reprogrammed people. It's a corruption that has built an entire education system on lies. It's a corruption that has done everything it can, ultimately, to put us in a complex system where we cannot find our way to God. But there are certain fundamentals when we get down to our core and our belief to understand that there's always ways back to Father no matter what garbage they put in our heads. And every one of us, like it or not, has been programmed. Just the exposure in birth to this insane system opens that up. And we've lived in our public schools or private schools. You've been exposed to science. You've been exposed to teachings in various forms that are all, in the end, have some sort of twist that they've put on it to try to keep us away from God. But fellowship and humility and the respect for one another changes everything. And it empowers us in a way through Father God that is, it's, it overcomes these challenges we face. Now, one of the big challenges we do face right now is food. And I want to play this piece because this is a very inspired piece by a farmer who sees things I would say he and I could sit down and have an amazing conversation, and I would also say that he could sit down with anybody in Bard's Nation and have the same amazing conversation. He understands the importance of the urgency, and it's more than urgency because it's a center point of sovereignty. It's us taking control of what goes into our bodies, our body temple, and not outsourcing that to somebody else. But he presents a plan here, which you've heard me talk of in very similar forms, that gives everybody an opportunity to start coming together as a neighbor, as a community, and start looking and solving this problem together. And that's going to be the key as we move forward, is learning to work together while respecting our differences to overcome the challenges so that we can decentralize and never let these people control through centralization again. Take a listen. This message is a warning. I believe that America will experience a significant food shortage and possibly famine within the next 12 months, possibly within the next six months. And the reason I say this is if you study what happened in Ohio with this train wreck, of course the politicians and the businesses involved are saying that the water is safe. The same thing happened in Flint, Michigan for years when really the water was very contaminated and people got very sick. So I believe that the watershed is absolutely affected by those toxic chemicals. And that watershed runs through the richest farmland in America. But combine that with the weather storms in Southern California. California produces 30% of all vegetables in this country. They produce 65% of all non-citrus based fruit. And if you combine that with all of the attacks on meat and egg processing facilities, um, two of which recently were attacked by a private plane or hit by a private plane, we have a very serious issue to address. And so we need to grow food. We also need to develop community and we need to build a resilient local food web. So I propose the following. It's called potluck gardening. And I believe that every individual and every family in this country that has the capability needs to dedicate as much space as they can to grow food. Even if you only have a balcony on a condo or in a condo or an apartment, you can grow food, but dedicate as much space as you can and the trick here is instead of trying to grow 10 different varieties, which is highly technical and it's unlikely you're going to produce enough food to sustain yourself, you're only going to grow one or two things. All you have to do is get some carrot seed, get some potatoes, um, get some watermelon, get some strawberries, plant those in your garden beds, plant them in boxes and pots on your balcony and just grow one or two things. And here's the catch. The key to potluck gardening is you're gonna enroll your friends and your neighbors to do the same thing. 
because we need to build community. And if we're just focusing on building or growing one or two things, it's much easier to learn. Um, we'll have much more productivity and we'll have an abundance of food that we can consume and sustain ourselves and also trade and share with our neighbors. So potluck gardening is a way that we can not only uh, build a resilient local food web, be able to produce and sustain ourselves with abundant um, and also nutrient dense organic food, but also begin the process of us healing our neighborhoods. It does not matter if you are Democrat or Republican. This is a nonpartisan issue. So I would enroll and encourage everyone to allocate as much space as you can within your home or apartment to grow food, grow one or two varieties, and start a potluck gardening club in your neighborhood. It's good words. And what that's going to require is that we do some outreach. So let's tie some things together here a little bit. I mentioned last, last couple of weeks, as God put on my heart, the sourdough revolution. And it's a door opener. It's a way to get to know your neighbor. It's a way to share and break bread. A lot of these topics now are still, even though they're coming to the surface, people are a little sketchy. You know, we've really expanded the garden we have here in town. And I, I was laughing because my dad just finished a hoop tunnel for the back two long plot beds. And I'm sure the neighbors are like, what is going on? Like it's starting to look like an urban homestead, which it should. That's the intent. But it's an opportunity for discussion. We, we share with our neighbors. We're in good terms with our neighbors. And that's where we all need to be. But it's not always easy to open that door. And it's not always easy to crack that door open to talk about these more concerning issues. People want to feel safe. They don't want to feel like the world is falling apart. And they're in, there's still a lot of people in denial. Well, you can start these things, as he's calling pop-up gardens. And I've said all along, everybody can grow. It doesn't matter if you're in an apartment or if you're in a 50-acre home. Everybody can grow. And as we choke it down to making it fun and making it participative and get getting the children involved, we have an opportunity to really grow community. But one of the things we're all going to have to start confronting, and I think it's an important point for all of us to carry, is humility. We're coming into some very unusual times. Times where any one of us can be swept off our feet. And even though we're going to build resilience and we're trying to build resilience, we don't know what's coming. You know, the one thing I learned a lot when I lived up in northern Minnesota and for geographic location, I lived up in Thief River Falls and in Greenbush. Greenbush was an hour and a half from the Canadian border, Edmonton province. Not Edmonton, I'm sorry. Um, I'm not even going to draw a blank. Anyway, it's Winnipeg. Manitoba province. And I spent quite a number of weekends up in Winnipeg. The, the thing to, that I came to appreciate so much was the harshness of the winter from a different perspective. The winters up there are common, minus 10, minus 20. The last winter I was there, it was minus 40 for a week. And that was normal. What you discover is how much you need to rely on one another when you live in worlds like that. So the guy that's that cranky old dude down the road that you don't want to get to know, he might be the one that has the tractor that you're going to need to pull you out of the ditch in the middle of a storm. When you get to know people up in that region, it's pretty common for someone to tell you a story of being buried in a blizzard especially if they're heading over to Fargo or Grand Forks, North Dakota, and having to wait it out for a day or two with the supplies in their car or having being, and always being saved by somebody, somebody helped them dig out, something like that. Neighbors look after neighbors. When we get down to warmer climates, we just kind of take that for granted. Smaller towns tend to do it better than big cities. But that's not going to be an option where we're going. And I say that because irrelevant of whatever financial collapse is coming or shift, I should say, and whatever happens in the food resources, the fact of the matter is that in order for us to create a new vision for this world, 
we are going to have to break away from the Babylonian system. And that's the system of cartel ownership of the money system. They aren't going to stop. And if you look at Wall Street and you look at the cronies up in D.C., they have no interest in stopping. In fact, their whole interest is break the food supply to bring people to their knees, rupture the financial system so people have no way to buy, and then offer them a CBDC and all the food that they can eat as long as it comes from their controlled systems. You might as well roll up your sleeve and take the shot. There are going to be some of us that are better prepared than others. And this is where we're going to have to start learning to communicate well with one another. We have to respond to need and be able to assess trust fairly quickly. And we're going to have to start being prepared to working together in different ways. I can't say whether there's going to be a global sudden pancake of everything and everybody's been shuttled into desperation and chaos. That's the model that Hollywood portrays, which tells me that's the model they want, but it's not the model that they're getting. As we walk in faith and as we walk strongly in our faith and humbly in our faith, we're going to be much more adept in extending a hand to our neighbor. A lot of things change when food becomes scarce or when big changes are upon us. And they know that this change they are forcing on us is massive. It's why they're not talking about it. It's why they're not discussing, anybody is discussing the CBDC. That's why nobody is talking about the VAX, because they know that that's a depopulation event and they know that they're going to get people locked into the need and a dependency on big pharma. And then they will feed them the necessary foods to keep them dumb and alive. And they will be grown in their vertical agriculture facilities. And they will become dependent on a system with a UBI and a CBDC that controls every action that they take. That is their model. Children become stripped from families. They become exploited. People are of the property of the elites and the elites will take advantage of them in any way. We have to be prepared to break from that and to walk independently. Now, this is not a alarming or intended to be an alarming show. It's a, a, I want you to focus on the principle of humility on two levels. What we have, we need to be able to share. And when we have nothing, we have to be humble enough to reach out and say, I need some help. Those two things go together. And they make a perfect marriage because those that are humble enough to speak truth and those that are humble enough to respond to the truth, that's as father intends. Proverbs 11, two, when pride comes, then comes dishonor. But when the humble, but with the humble is wisdom. Micah six, eight, he has told you, O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love, kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Through humility is when we connect most deeply with Father. And again, it's, it's really a, a two-sided event when we say humbleness. Humbleness is when we are dealing without things, it's very difficult. And I have been there. I have been in the place, and it's not a distant memory, and it's been more than once in my life, but it's been with six years ago. And that's not that long ago. I had lost literally everything except for a handful of things, which included my computer I was able to save. And I had to start over from scratch. And every avenue that I had intended to restart on in the way that God worked things, they were all closed. And the only way I could move forward was through him. And I had to learn another level of humility in my life. I had to learn to be able to ask for help. I had to learn to be able to receive that help. And those were some hard lessons because I was never one to have to rely on anybody 
and yet there I was. And it's part of the walk I make now, which is when the opportunities to arise, arise to make sure that I do what I can myself, and I'm not in any way pedestalizing myself, but it's a reminder every time a need comes up to see what I can do. This is a part of a walk that we all need to be geared towards. And again, this is not assessing anybody in the tonight in any fashion of what one does or one doesn't do. But it is a real lens that we all need to put onto our life to understand that what we have today could disappear tomorrow. And so how we walk humbly when we have things reflects equally how they were going to be received and how we help others. And because we can very quickly end up on the other side of that coin. I was amazed when I watched my businesses literally disintegrate around me. I had two consulting firms. One, I was working on contract with the Department of Defense and I had a private consulting firm as well. But when we lost which was, again, I always say this, this is God's hand looking out for me before I had a deep relationship with him. When we lost a $2 million contract after I had rented new office space, prepared to hire new people, and that $2 million literally vanished. It was, in, it was inappropriately moved out of the contract space we were in, which later led at the, at the defense facility I was at, led to a massive FBI investigation. And people went to jail. But that $2 million loss on a contract literally blew the bottom out of my business. You can't recover that quickly with that. You just can't. And so I watched something that I had poured my life into as I scrambled to try to keep it afloat just disintegrate around me. And that just led to one cascading fall after the other that was a, about, a, in the end, it was a close to a three-year process of watching everything that I had built. And notice I used the term I, I had built, disintegrate around me. And what came at the end of that three-year process was where I sit today, which was everything that God built that I've stewarded as he's provided. The humbleness that we all have to walk with is to remember how fragile we are in this Babylonian system. And it's not easy by any means. Luke 14, 11, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. The world that we've been raised in is very individualistic. It has allowed us to live with our own private space, separate from other people. We've been able to not rely on other folks when we didn't want to, unless we wanted to. We've been inoculated in a culture of me and self. And a lot of that's very evident even in many times the way we approach our relationship with Father God. Because a lot of that is not seeking him, but as much as seeking him to fix something in us. We need to remember that we are born of the Most High. And in that process of being born of the Most High, he wants to get to know us. He wants to be intimate in our lives. And to get there, our pride has to be thrown away. And many times we're put into places intentionally, I believe, just to force us to put our pride aside or our anxieties or our, our trepidations and learning how to receive. My biggest gift over that three-year period was learning how to receive. And I'm still not the best at it, to be honest but nonetheless learning how to receive. And as we do, we start to open up the greater blessings of kingdom. 
because as one who receives, one also learns how to give. And to give with a wonderful, open, and loving heart. We, offer, we have before us an opportunity that's unprecedented. We live in a time when literally we are watching a global network of control, a control system that was designed specifically to enslave us, being torn apart to pieces. It's falling apart not because we're waylaying it with a sword and an axe. Though, trust me, there are days that I would so happily do that. And I don't kid you when I say that, because the evil we face is destroying lives. And it just rakes at my heart with the casualties that are left out here in so many forms, the wounded that they have created intentionally so that they can introduce their slave system. And that's the hard part about this walk is that we have to resist the temptation to respond with an eye for an eye Machiavellian style. That comes to leaning into Father and trusting in Him for justice. It doesn't mean we're apathetic by any means. Quite to the contrary, we have to be very proactive. And sometimes as we're proactive, we're going to need to face our limitations. And that's when our humility has to come before us. In just my own walk on a daily basis, I am accustomed to doing things myself. I mentioned at the beginning of the show here this new greenhouse tunnel my dad's built. And I have not been part of that. And that's been very difficult for me because I typically do stuff with him side by side. And He's 86 and very capable and very in very good health. But it's still me wanting to make sure that I'm not falling behind and not carrying my, my, my load, equal load. And I live that way. What I've had to learn in this process, and I would have to say what I've had to relearn in this process is this little mini homestead that we have here is, has become a family-valued project. We sit at the table and we talk about what we're planting. We, we learn, we make mistakes, we talk about how we can correct things. It has become a family process. And that's, even for me, that's been a different experience because I've had to, and in my life, I've walked so much on my own. But it's been so rewarding. When we get to the cattle, I'm successful with cattle, not because I'm running cattle, and that's on the other property. I'm successful because there's a young man who's about 27 years old that knows more about cattle than I'm going to get in, than I'll probably get in the next five years because he's done it since he was in his teens. And yet he's excited about taking me on this journey of teaching me what he has. And that's pretty humbling. I'm, I'm sitting here at 58, being taught by a very skilled young man in 27 about cattle. And he's good at what he does. And he's excited to teach me. We have to have the humility to receive and to understand that God puts us in these amazing places so that we can share. This time that we're in is so profound. We can't waylay the world by ourselves. And as we reach to Father, He's going to talk to us, but He's also going to deliver to us many times in ways that we don't receive well. A simple little thing. I mean, this last weekend, I had to put together a new barbecue up at the property, and I had a new edging tool, big one, industrial one for doing the, the farm fences, the ranch fences. And my dad wanted to come up and help me. And I'm more concerned about, okay, well, it's 
I don't want him to drive back late. He's got vision, poor vision in one eye. All those things were really just my excuses to get in the way of him wanting to help and me unwilling to receive. We had a great time. We ended up working side by side, and a lot was done, and we made a lot of progress, and I'm grateful for it. But I just, I'm saying all this because each one of us, I believe, have these resistances to receiving and in giving, and all of it ultimately, in a simple sense, results to our humility. As we build a community, and right now this community we're building in Bars Nation is connected digitally. We're going to have the opportunities to come together in in our what we call Bards Fest, and there's going to be a number of them. And I think that that will continue as we do regional festivals and then probably do a centralized festival on a pretty regular basis. And it's really quite biblical, actually. And that framing will come out more and more as we get to that point the gathering of people a couple of times a year to worship and to celebrate and to open ourselves up to the glory of what God can speak to us and bring to us. So as we have these digital relationships, though, we have to find ways of building those bridges of trust and be, and also be willing to receive with what that brings. One of the things that where people support right now and, and support others, we've witnessed this in Bars Nation, is when someone's in need and we have we had a family recently that had a financial need. Bars Nation ended up raising close to sixteen or seventeen thousand dollars for that family when their goal was ten thousand dollars. That's a beautiful gifting. And it happened because that family was willing enough to take a risk to tell their story and say, we need some help. This is how we work together. And it's a process that, I'm not one that loves this money system. If you haven't figured that out by now, I'm shocked. Because I can't stand this Babylonian system we're in. It drives me nuts. But unfortunately, by the decentralized nature in which we all are, and the reality that Money is what gets us to the places we need to go. Stripping away the worship and looking at the function of it, there's a lot of value in that. So we tend to find ourselves in good places when we can use some of the digital tools to move money. There's nothing wrong with that. It's all about intent. And we see that in the giving hearts that are here. I say all this because... There's going to be more need as we go along. And we need to hear about it as a community. We need to be aware of who's in need. And we sometimes have to work with those in need to remind them that we're offering support in love without strings attached. And that's hard for some. It was hard for me. It was very hard for me when I'm sitting in Denver after being told being charged with whatever the heck I was charged with in 2017 and getting a call from a friend, I consider him a brother, truly, and saying, I need you to come down here to Thomaston, Georgia, and you need to come home. I have a place for you. That was very hard for me to accept. And I did, and it wasn't easy. And it was a process of having to learn to do with very little and survive. A process of having to be taken through the fires of dependence on Father and not dependence on me. And I would, he reformed me. It also reminds me of how quickly we can fall into those places. And it's those types of memories that shouldn't haunt us, but they should empower us. When we start to look as this pop-up farm idea or pop-up garden idea was put here, when we start to collectively work together on things, it doesn't mean we're, we are a collective. It doesn't mean that we're some sort of communist colony by any means. It means that we're stripping away our focus on independent life and we're starting to look at, at 
ways to move forward as Father would want us to come together to overcome problems, to use our knowledge and our gifts, and to strip away from this idea of dependency of what I have a house, you don't, I have wealth, and you don't. That's irrelevant because each one has resources that we can use for the betterment of the whole. And as we move that way in these coming months and, for that matter, years ahead, what we're really doing is we're reshaping value. And we're imposing a principle that while we are different and we aren't in an egalitarian world, we are nonetheless gifted with different things that when we put them together as a whole, they create a perfect tapestry. I've told you the story many times now of buying the cigarettes for the homeless guys only to get blessed greater than I had blessed them. And in a way of being blessed that I can't, I still to this day just look at Father and I just say thank you. We need to make sure that we're not attached to the wrong things. Money's one of those. It owns us. We tend to worry too much about it. I don't know how I got wired this way. And I mean what I'm going to say. It's just one of those things I'm thankful for Father about. Money really never, it has never taken into my heart. I, and it probably comes from when my father gave me some good, good advice when when I was young and he was a small business owner and he was doing bids and he reminded me that the only difference between a $100 project and a $1,000 project and a $10,000 project are a couple of zeros. And the point of that was that you're still going to deliver the same measure of service and you're still going to have the same attitude of perfection and customer care no matter what the size of the job. But there's other wisdom in that. It's just zeros. And as Father gives, we need to share. I look at it like this, that when we look at our bank accounts, when they're stacked high, we're working the wrong model. When we're taking our bank accounts and we're pushing out and we're seeing that balance fall within certain measure, not saying you're supposed to push yourself to the point you can't pay bills. But my point is, as we push out, we see a declining bank account as that of heaven, we should see a rising bank account and a stacking of that and courting of that as one of a Babylon. These are my thoughts, but they're on my heart a lot right now because we're going to see and are seeing more need. And we have an opportunity as a community to lead here in a brilliant way. We pray and we see results from our prayers. We come together and we show care and love in ways that people have never experienced online. I see this almost every day, if not every week. When I see new people come into chat and then I'll see the responses of like, what is this place? I've never seen anything like it. They haven't because this place is alive with the Holy Spirit, this little corner on the web that we have. And it's that way because the hearts of everybody here are in the right place. The way that we begin change is to begin with those that we know. It's easiest step in trust. And we've got a very good measure here in our chat and in the community that, that listens to know that when we're talking about Bard's Nation, we're, it means something. It means something to the character of the people that listen and follow. And that's something that as we do that, that's how we continue to strengthen a family and a network that then becomes strong across all of its connections. Each one is raised up to be strong and on their own feet. Everybody falls once in a while. Everybody needs to be raised up. And with their gifts and talents, they will get their footing again. And then they become part of strengthening the body in a greater way. 
And as we continue to do that, then we find the greater ability to affect change in our communities because we know what stands behind us. In addition to our Father, and in addition to having our love and our commitment to Christ, there is a whole network of people that reaches 120 countries that are of the same mindset. Now, while you may not see them, I guarantee the more you go along and people hear about it, the more you're going to discover how many people know about what we're part of. And that's a beautiful thing. It's the force of change. And it all comes from the center point of our hearts and our humbleness before Father. So if we come across somebody in need, let's raise them up. If you're in need, let us know. We'll do what we can. And collectively as resources, I've already seen amazing amount of love pour out for so many things. This is how we weather this storm successfully, holding the line, keeping our eyes on the cross, raising each other up, and truly becoming the light on the hill that so many need in this time of unknowns and for some in times of desperation. Let us pray. Father, we are deeply humbled this evening before you, and we come this way by choice. We are an amazing group of people that you've brought together <laughs> from all over and from so many different walks of life. You have managed to assemble us here for a deeper worship and appreciation in the love of Christ and to you, Father, that perhaps we would have experienced anywhere else. And we are a network of people that seek more to grow more within you and to connect more within this body. So, Father, tonight our prayers are to those that are in need. Let their voices be raised. And our prayers are for those that can help. Let our humility go before us to provide what we can. And in so doing, to knit and weave together a greater love and appreciation for the gift that you've given us here in this fellowship of assembly on a little corner in the web. What you've shown us here, Father, is that we don't need walls. We need the love in Jesus first. And without the walls, we have the ability to reach higher and farther and greater with our hearts to receive and to give. So thank you. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. It's an amazing time to be alive. And I mean that in all I say. It's not an easy time for some, for all for that matter. Every one of us has been stretched in one way or another. Every one of us has had to deal with the crazies of the last three years. We've had to deal with financial stresses. We've had to deal with challenges in family. But in the process, it's brought us together to heal amongst each other, to heal with the blessings of Father, and to go back into the world stronger and greater than we were before. And by all of that, that's the, hum that's the humble walk, that as we carry this Holy Spirit within us, we're able to step back into the world mightier in the kingdom, more loving and more giving and and more humble than we were before. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. 
Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time. Thank you. God bless. Good night. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest end Oh, I want to feel something Let me get back in my body